Last time on Trials of the Apocalypse. The exceedingly popular Brindlewood Bay South Senior High mascot, the Firebird, was found desecrated in a bloody scene. The man behind the costume, social studies teacher Rob Kestrel, is missing. I think that Goji uh, sometimes takes play a little bit too seriously with Rob, as he is a bird. You test the blood, it appears to be human. Uh, The clue that you find uh, is a severed finger wearing a ring. It appears that whoever uh, had come here had access to it. Uh, But you find a receipt for an incredibly high value. Uh, This receipt, this invoice, matches some that you've seen uh, from orders that were made to the Brindlewood Air Bay and Bay. You are not allowed back, Diana, at the Air Bay and Bay. The only time I've tasted a better banana nut muffin was here on the bleachers. I will stay hungry for more. The clue that you've gained here now is that there are rumors of the Firebird retiring. The clue is an overlooked promotion. Miss Raymond is the one overlooked. Specifically, you find some uh, divorce filing paperwork filed not by uh, Rob, but by his wife, Luna Orville Kestrel. The symbol of the Firebird has been drawn here in ashes. For the last 10 years, South has won every time. That has been as long as the mascot has been Rob Kestrel, the Firebird. For Miss Raymond's class, Diana. In the classroom, there is an assortment of significant animals to various cultures. One of the things you find are a series of newspaper clippings. All of them are times where the school won, and in all of those instances, the Firebird was there. So over in Mr. Kestrel's room, around it are different cards and notes. It simply reads, the days of the Firebird are numbered. You find a syringe. It has been thoroughly cleaned. There is someone else in this building with you. There is a suitcase uh, which is packed like like packed, ready to go. So somebody who has touched this back door handle has also touched that that case. What do you say we meet at nine o'clock sharp? Nine twenty, if that's me showing up. Oh, so we'll see you about nine forty-five, Diana. We'll go looking for that Cape May wobbler that I've been searching for for the last two weeks, and discuss the facts of the case. What's your favorite park like? We sort of briefly in your vignette got you sort of sitting on a park bench, right? I'm imagining, has everyone in this room at least, I will describe it if we agree with this idea, uh, been to like Antioch Park? Give me some type of... Uh, There's like a pond towards the middle of it that has stepping stones that can cross it as well as a bridge. Um, There's lots of geese. Uh, there's toidles. There's toidles. Um, there's some paths that take you through some woods. There's some paths that take you up and over some hills and grassy lands. There's like a small model town. Yeah, that's what I would say I have in mind for Justice Gilbert Memorial Park is lots of forking sidewalks and yeah. walkways. 
um, the central fountain or water pond theme. The one other interesting element that I would include is that Diana's primary bird watching area mm-hmm. is lower elevation wise from either the rest of the park or the main road. So it's a little bit secluded. Mm-hmm. It's got some trees around. It's got the water, of course. It's got the benches. and Maybe it's, a, a little rushing creek nearby. Ooh, I kind of like that. It was a nice sound ambiance. Ambiance. I don't think the nationality of the creek is important. <laughs> it's, it's a rushing creek. Yeah, it sure is. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, what time do each of you actually arrive at the place? 9.45. 9.45? What was the original time given? 9 a.m. 9 a.m. The coach is there at 9. Marion, you're there at 9.45. I'll be there at 9.30. 9.30? Okay. Diana. She arrives exactly at 10. Precisely when she meant to. <laughs> Goji is already sunning himself near the bench. Yeah, there's definitely a nice rock. Man, I forget there's a cat with us sometimes. <laughs> he hides out in the hood a lot. How could you forget about little Goji? He's the most wonderful cat to ever exist. Well, I certainly didn't forget about him when he opened the door for us. Or when he got on the floor for us. <laughs> and then he walked the dinosaur. For us. <laughs> for us. Thank you. A true wonder cat, that one is. Goji licks himself. <laughs> Goji's got those comic licks going on where, like, he, he kind of stops and then, like, his mouth opens real wide and he's got the big tongue and he's like, ang, ang, ang. He's, he's really going to town mm-hmm. uh, in the sun. Uh, overall, this, uh, this, this game has not been the uh, comedy thrill rides that the other ones have been, but man, when the bits have happened, they've been weird. (laughs) (laughs) They've been weird. I remember the part a little while ago where we realized that we were implying that teachers were all alcoholics, and so in character in the middle of it, we started to walk that back. (sighs) (laughs) That wasn't really a bit. That was just kind of a nice thing we wanted to say. Um, what are the three of you doing? So, Diana, you, of course, invited them here to do a little bit of word watching, uh, a little bit, perhaps, of some phalange aerobics. Do you have uh, some of the little hand squeezy things that you pass around? Dempsey, this question is one of the easier ones. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing easy about training to prevent arthritis. <laughs> Diana has brought in her messenger bag. What the Diana has brought in her messenger bag an assortment of quote-unquote hand-squeezy things. (laughs) (laughs) But before she can hand them out, she has both Marion and Coach take a strength test to figure out which resistance weights are appropriate so that they can be equipped with 
manageable hand squeezy things. Oh, just give me the most resistant one you got. You and I both know I can take it. I feel like Marion is actually surprisingly good at it because of the, like... Because of the knitting. Because of the knitting. Her hands are actually pretty strong, all things considered. She ain't no slouch. She's not up there with with Coach, though. (laughs) She's also got fingerless gloves that she crocheted for herself. Nice. And a cardigan, of course. And a cardigan, of course. And another one in her bag, just in case. Well, it would seem to me that y'all are still doing what you do best. We're not quite there yet at the elite rock climber level, but the handsome concrete worker, that's what we do best. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Uh, well, uh, quick pause, quick pause. Education for David time. Um, can we unpack just, just the smallest amount? The phrase, <laughs> right, that you just uttered. I believe it was the handsome concrete worker. Yeah. That's what we do best. Uh-huh. Is that, is that, is that what I heard? Was that? <laughs> I thought what you did best was janitors. <laughs> <laughs> he certainly seemed so. You can take it more than one way. I believe. Nah, pretty much just take it to one way. <laughs> <laughs> I think what he was getting at was that Cecil wasn't one for exploration. <laughs> oh, was he a one and done sort of fellow? Uh, I think what Dempsey was trying to convey was that a handsome concrete worker was one of the ratings of hand squeezy things. Oh, I understood that. Okay. He was just clarifying to clarify. I was clarifying for the record. (laughs) Because (laughs) I'm just just trying to protect us from the tweets. (laughs) Not really. No one's going to tweet us, but... Why, why do you want us to, to to protect us from the tweets? There's some good tweets you can make <laughs> off of what we've been saying. Uh, the sun rises a little bit higher uh, as you each sit together on this bench, uh, squeezing regularly on your hand squeezy things, which do have an official name, but at this point I'm committed to this bit. Uh your your handsome <laughs> what was it handsome don't you know your handsome concrete worker rated hand squeezy things don't you know david the uh hand hand squeezy things as seen on tv i think i might need the uh the elite jump roper level myself do you have one of those in your bag do you got one just called adonis <laughs> <laughs> see D- david's joke here <laughs> david easley's joke here would be uh no but i have one that's rated for marilyn monroe's thighs will that do you <laughs> God, I'm gonna die tonight. <laughs> <laughs>
I mean, we could run with that one. <laughs> we sit there with our various hand squeezy things. Yes. Oh, Marion, you soft berry. Let me find a easier rating for you. Oh, coach, you seem to be struggling. You're also looking for, what was it? Marilyn's thigh strength? Adonis. A dentist? <laughs> well, my favorite dentists do definitely have strong hands. Oh, God, we've been at this too long. Fuck. <laughs> uh, There's just something wonderful about Adonis. A dentist? <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, you, you hand out, <laughs> you hand out, uh, your collection of hand squeezers and all of you spend this morning together, uh, pointing out birds, talking about your, your love lives, uh, squeezing these hand squeezy things. And here's, we invoke the cozy move, uh, in Brindlewood Bay when the cozy move is activated, uh, which is. In this case, uh, at the center of the cozy move is Diana, as we are doing her cozy activity. So you will get to choose two of the following. And for the other two of you, you each get to choose one of the following. Uh, those options are, you may ask the other player a question about their maven, which they must answer truthfully and completely. The other maven agrees on a particular course of action, or you give them a condition uh, if they refuse. Uh, or you may clear an appropriate condition. Um, alternatively, if it's your cozy activity, you may stumble on a clue relevant to an active mystery uh, and tell the keeper what it is. Uh, the clue cannot conclusively solve the mystery by itself, you know, but it can be uh, a, a key component of your greater web of how all the clues fit in. So, Marion, I'm imagining since you still have the frustrated condition, you'll want to spend your, your hold here to clear a frustrated. I did, in fact, just erase it. Excellent. I think it makes sense considering... I'm like, I'm squeezing out my frustrations. Yeah, you're working out your frustrations. You're having a hang with, with the mavens. Uh, Watching Goji sun himself and watch the birds. Yes, exactly. I mean, uh, after all, there's no uh, way not to let out your frustration when you're squeezing Adonis. <laughs> Adonis? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, coach, uh, which one of these things do you choose for yourself? Diana, be honest. You got the hots for uh, Bartleby? If you're referencing the embers that I said were reignited last night, I could see that fling going as far as I could throw him. And I might be able to hold on to him, but he's not getting thrown very far. And by... Oh, by the... Very sheer strength vested in me. I would hate for him to ruin one of the possible future romantic relationships I might have with Jimmy or Caesar. <laughs> the unfortunate thing is, is that Caesar could be an old man's name. True. <laughs> Look at Jimmy. They could both be. Is that Jimmy Buffet from the retirement community down the road? Jimmy Buffet. <laughs> yes, he spent some time in Paris, I believe. Come now. 
Diana, you mustn't let uh, your uh, affections burn down to ashes. Well, all good things must come to an end, like this conversation. We do need to keep our priorities straight, because if there's one thing that I need to finish before the day's end is my letter to the town hall and board of education. So, Diana, you also, you get two things because we're engaged in your uh, activity. Um, one of them, as you've indicated, you would like to be stumbling upon a clue. Um, one of them, you may also ask a question uh, or ask somebody to, to do something. Or clear a condition. But she's, all of her conclu- conditions were pretty much limited to that circumstance. So okay. we've already cleared them. I don't know. She could still be all wet. If you know what I mean. Say there, coach, could you remind me what that thing is there in the middle of your face? You mean my nose? That's right, you're being nosy. So. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. That was good, I like that. That was good. No, keep going. Carry on, Diana. So... Since we're being nosy, let's go ahead and peer into your personal life. At what point did you say, I just gotta hang the gloves up, step back from coaching, and live a normal person's life? This may be my last year with season tickets. Narrator voice. It was not her last year with season tickets. (laughs) Well... Oh, you know, after after S- Cecil got sick, I needed to take some time away from uh, my uh, training and uh, uh, take closer care of him. And uh, when he finally passed away, I just uh, didn't go back to it full time. I, I had... Uh, you know, step stepped away somewhat, and uh, I've moved my aspirations elsewhere. That man did love you so much, enough to deal with your booby traps every day, and I'm not talking about the ones on your chest. I'm not even the one to blame about that, and she points to uh, Diana. You could have taken them down at any time. A girl's gotta stay nimble. Can we just compare hand squeezy thingies? (laughs) Diana, as conversation peters out for a brief moment, and there's no birds to to catch your vision, I think you find yourself just watching the stream for a bit, and your mind returns to the events of yesterday morning and afternoon and evening, Uh, and the different clues and strange circumstances you found yourselves in. Diana, you, of course, have a particular technique that you employ, both breathing and muscle, when you are really serious about your phalange aerobics. And while you're in a, a flow state doing that, you have a breakthrough regarding some of the details that you uncovered the day before. What is that breakthrough? Mm. Ah! <laughs> what? What is it? Change. 
we must be the change we need to see in the world. <laughs> I was, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, Coach starts rummaging through her purse. Yes, <laughs> both of those things. No, no, no. Things of value require sacrifice. Coach made a sacrifice in giving up one love for the other. If we look back to Miss Raymond's room, there was a sacrifice on the wall. Really, was there? <laughs> Please do tell. <laughs> Interesting. Expand on that. I didn't notice it in the moment because I could feel the beady little eyes of that barter's bee. In the examination of Miss Raymond's room, there was a series of distinct cultural animals. One of them was the spiritual or the mystical animal known as the firebird associated with the Greeks. Hmm... Greek yogurt, <clears throat> which required a sacrifice to it. I think that there has to be some type of connection to our firebird here at Brindlewood Bay South Senior High. A group of young teenagers walking by hears you say that and goes, Southside? 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 <laughs> Uh. (laughs) It's like a group of five teenagers, three dudes, and two girls. (laughs) And you get like, so side. Woo! Firebirds! So side! Firebirds! Move along, ye whippersnappers! Move along! <laughs> I love I love the implication that Diana's like, no, you can't have passion for your school. I, an elderly woman, should. <laughs> that never went there. <laughs> that never went there. <laughs> so, what are you saying, Diana? Are you saying you think that there's some sort of supernatural element to all of this? Anyone who thinks differently certainly has lost their marbles. I believe it's a perfect segue into theorizing now. Yeah, I think I think at this point you all are discussing it. This is a freewheeling discussion. I imagine while doing it in, in dialogue would be great. I don't uh, think my voice can do it, man. <laughs> I, I also think that there's going to be a lot of hemming and hawing, which isn't as great for dialogue. So with this this new piece of evidence, uh, this uh, idea that Diana realized from a display that was in the room of Miss uh, Raymond, which is that there is a, a mythical firebird uh, revered, which a, a sacrifice is made to, and that in order to achieve something, sacrifices are made, sort of connecting what uh, the story that Coach brought up, which I think is a great through line, right, by the way. Um, so, yeah, no, that was great. That yeah, was a really excellent. great idea. Great job. Uh, so, so let me ask, what's everybody thinking? Because I'll be honest, 
Yeah, this is this is a completely non-railroaded story. <laughs> this is all highly. This is some USDA certified organic stuff right here. With Dempsey bringing up uh, the sacrifice to a mythical firebird, mm-hmm. I think that Kestrel uh, knows about this group and about this worship of this myth- mythical firebird saw a connection to the uh, mascot of the school and attempted to sacrifice to the mythical firebird and was successful and it granted uh, good fortune to the school for them to win their games, which is seen by the 10-year success rate of the polo team. Oh. What if what he sacrificed was his marriage? And the, like, the physical sacrifice of that came in the form of cutting off his wedding ring and his wedding ring finger. And then, but that was, like, that was part of it. But then the, like, the actual sacrifice of it is his wife, you know, filing for divorce. Perhaps after having an affair, maybe the invoice in the pocket of the mascot wasn't his. It was actually hers, and he had found it. Is this then a pact that he has formed that didn't require payment until 10 years later? I think there was a time limit to the pact that uh, was 10 years. And I think there's grave repercussions for making deals with mythical spirits. Mystical spirits. Mystical spirits. Definitely not mythical if all this is happening. That's right. So, okay, that that gives us... Which I think is why we found his finger in the field, along with blood and the costume torn to bits. I think uh, he was smoked. That doesn't explain how Bell Raymond is connected to all of this. I don't. I don't think she is. I think it's a coincidence that she got looked over for the position, and it's a red herring in the case. Although we established the poster was in Miss Raymond's room, didn't we? Yes, poster was in Miss Raymond's room, and there was the note on the the board. The note on the board was in Ke- Kestrel's room. The the right. But, the uh, time is limited for the firebird. Yeah, the days of the firebird are numbered. Maybe, maybe Miss Raymond found out what was actually going. She wrote that note, and she uh, is also missing because we haven't talked to her. That's true. We haven't talked to her. Uh, wasn't she the one who had the newspaper clippings as well? So that does leave our syringe unaccounted for. The overlooked promotion. Yeah. Is halfway unaccounted for. I do think there's some element to um, just building up to her to be a lesser reveal, but nevertheless, the information that pointed to her did lead to a relevant clue. 
It is an entirely clean syringe. There's part of me that halfway thinks in the uh, in the same boat as like trying to ruin him socially. If maybe it like she planted it in his stuff. I'm not sure how that ties into the rest of it, though. Unless, like, she'd been trying for a while to take him down. And somehow she stumbled upon the fact that he had made this deal. And somehow made a new deal, perhaps? The Airbnb... And the receipt. Air Bay and Bay. The Air Bay and Bay still perplexes me with the receipt and just the association of that establishment. So, uh, one thing. So, I, I am allowed during this time to challenge some of your suppositions uh, or contribute uh, a little bit here and there uh, to meaningfully help guide you to a solution you're all happy with. So, one thing I can, I can add to that uh, regarding the uh, the expensive receipt for Air Bay and Bay. If he's been having some marital strife at home, it is possible that he has not been staying at his house. Okay. And sleeping fair. overnight in the school once or twice might be one thing, but... He can't stay there every night. Yeah. And for a place that's renting either by the hour or to tourists with decent amount of money, either way, that's going to rack up pretty pretty quick. That's fair. That's uh, one interpretation I've thought of, at least. So that explains... It doesn't explain the suitcase inside. Was it inside the gymnasium? It was in the locker room. It was in the locker room. It doesn't explain the suitcase inside the locker room and the body, air quotes. Uh, If he had left it in the locker room, it could imply that someone or something was chasing him. There's a... But then we'd have to amend the the theory to involve an actual killer. There's a, there's a way down into the storage room that holds the Firebird costume most of the time through the locker room, right? What if he put that suitcase there uh, with the intention of picking it up to go somewhere? Uh, but before he left, he wanted to make sure to grab costume which he paid for like is his costume and when he went to go get it something happened I'm thinking of this as more of the culminating moment for Rob and the conclusion of this mystical contract and between all of the strife that's been going on with his marriage and the outward appearance that everything is going well through the promotion but creating more strife with his co-workers his whole world is falling down around him and the thing that is before him is the payment for the contract and so he goes to or he finally packs up and takes his, his things from the Air Bay and Bay and arrives at the school for this last mystical encounter wearing the Firebird suit in the field to which he's going to break things off, leave, 
and run away from the disaster that is a broken marriage, a broken work life, and a mystical contract that has ravaged and destroyed his life over the last 10 years while outwardly appearing that he's been elevated is cost him far more than he's willing to pay and the suitcase is his walk away from it all plan that he doesn't have the ability to walk back into and continue with I think we're kind of on the same page it, it seems to me like at some point in the past he probably about 10 years ago he entered into a deal to put himself and the school on the map, let's say. Something like that. To to uh, bring the school success and bring himself success. Which explains the promotion to the department head. And every single match he's been at resulting in a win. And maybe the price for that wasn't wasn't set necessarily. He just knew that there would be a cost in a sort of monkey's paw situation. And as he got through these 10 years, when his marriage started to fall apart, eventually he realized, oh, eventually he realized that that was the price. What if in an attempt to cut off the deal there, he put on the suit, the, the, the costume, he went out to the field, he cut his own finger off, hoping that that would be enough of a sacrifice, and his intention was then to take the suitcase and leave after that. Sort of a... So, but then what happened to him? That's a good question. Because he's still missing. So something something had to have happened on that field that he didn't come back from for the suitcase to still be there. We know that the suitcase is still there. We know that we haven't found his body. We've only found the finger. Um, but there's blood everywhere. But there is blood everywhere. And we know that the, that the costume seemed to have been cut to pieces. It's possible he cut it's possible he cut this, the costume up. Out of anger? Trying to destroy trying, trying to, destroy to destroy both his part of the deal and and the part to the firebird that he made this deal with. So that no one could also enter into that contract because other people had been vying for it exactly. without knowing. Exactly. So maybe he... Now we haven't found, like, a knife or anything like that so far. And we haven't found his body. I... But there's a lot of blood. There's more blood than one would potentially lose just cutting off a finger. We know that it's human blood. We don't know for sure that it's his, but there's a good chance that it is. His finger. It's his finger, probably. It's his wedding ring. Maybe... Here's a here's a shot out in the dark. Uh, we haven't talked to... 
Bell Raymond at, at all either. Is it possible that while he was engaging in this ritual, she interrupted? I think I think the only thing that makes logical sense for the note amongst the fan mail uh, is that Miss Raymond found out about the contract somehow. I feel like that makes the most sense. There is evidence of something supernatural connected to it. And we need... Maybe she was the one who moved to the... We need to involve Miss Raymond somehow because of Diana's clue about the group of people that worship the Firebird. Right, and she had the newspaper clippings. Yeah, she of had the all newspaper of the... clippings of the... yeah. Now, uh, it's worth mentioning that you guys don't need to nail down exactly what happened, like, perfectly moment by moment. If if you guys think you've determined the bigger strokes of, of who was involved when and, and where in a general way, I think that's enough to invoke the move and yeah. theorize. Okay. Okay. I so, think- so, so let's hear toe-to-tail. So specifically, we have 11 clues based on my count if you double check with somebody who's been keeping the list are we counting the void clues or are those separate it says those are separate it says to uh not count the void clues even the one with the firebird symbol now obviously the void clues i think tie in yeah uh but they tie in in a deeper way not specifically just this the void clues help support the theory but for the actual role for this to be the correct answer they are not counted yeah i think it's 11 I also have 11. Okay, cool. So then let's, toe to tip, best brief summary everyone agrees with. Let's hear it. What's the theory? All righty, then. You've been driving us until now. Take the steering wheel as you always do and give it to us straight. What do we have here? Well, it's somewhat unbelievable to consider, but... uh. It's possible that roughly 10 years ago, deep in a sea of uncertainty with his uh, career and his marriage, Rob Kestrel discovered a uh, group of people who worshipped a mystical firebird creature that uh, he in desperation believed could possibly be real and performed a ritual and to his amazement entered into a contract with this mystical firebird to grant him uh, the ability to be successful in whatever he saw a need for uh, for the next 10 years of his life understanding that there would be some sort of payment eventually. Uh, unfortunately, as the, the years progress, the uh, potency of the contract uh, wears thinner and thinner, uh, and it's seen with the uh, collapsing of his marriage first, which explains the invoice for the $8,700 that he owes the Air Bay and Bay. 
uh, for he was living there for uh, a time as his marriage started to collapse once again. Uh, and, and of course, then with the success of his career at school with the promotion to the department head of the history department, uh, Miss Raymond, of course, got suspicious as she found it confusing why she wouldn't have been selected given her credentials. And so she starts to do her own research, which explains the newspaper clippings in her classroom uh, and the depiction of uh, the group worshipping this uh, firebird spirit. So she wrote a threatening letter to Mr. Kessero telling him that his days as the Firebird mascot were numbered. And so, with all of this going on, uh, Mr. Kessero uh, decided that it may be in his best interest to try and renege on the deal and do his best to get out of it and leave town, which is why he packed a suitcase and then went to the field, cut off his own finger as a way of payment for the Firebird spirit, and then the Firebird was not satisfied and tore him apart, which explains why the suitcase is still in the locker room, because he never left the field. Is it possible that Miss Raymond is involved in this more than that? Is it possible that she perhaps was trying to figure out how to break the steel apart? Perhaps he got scared. Phalange Mavens! What I'm perhaps more concerned about here is what do I do with all of my Brendawood Bay South Senior High Firebird apparel, merchandise, memorabilia, and various assortment of other goods that they've sold over the years? If I've designated my basement to be a shrine for a vengeful spirit? It seems to me that uh, we should talk to Miss Belle Raymond. She may be responsible for all of this. Uh, I think that is our theorize. Okay. I'm I'm going to roll the theorize roll. You have a plus 3 because you have 11 clues and it's a a level 8 complexity. Yeah, 11 minus 8 equals 3. All right. Everybody ready? Let's do it. That is a 9 plus 3. It's 12. That's it. That is not only the correct solution, but I must present you an opportunity to take down the culprit or otherwise save the day. Well, the culprit is a vengeful fire spirit. No, no, no. So. This, is, this is great. Actually, uh, on a 12 plus, or er, no. Yes. No, it is 12. Oh. On a, a person involved in the dark conspiracy of Brindlewood Bay also reveals themselves to the mavens.
Hey there, it's your keeper, David, here. I'm here to interrupt you right as things were getting good. I have a nasty habit of that. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to our show. I am so very proud of how this game came together, and I've been really enjoying talking on Twitter and Discord with listeners sharing their own theories. We'll be following up this finale with our usual post-apocalypse retrospective of the arc, so if you have any questions for us about it, or the show, or podcasting in general, please, 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 please tweet at us or message us in our channel on the Cast Junkie Discord server. We love to answer your questions and to hear what you have to say about our show. After the post-apocalypse, you can look forward to our next one-shot game, Playing The Watch, a light fantasy RPG focused on an NB and femme of center-led resistance in a desperate war to save their homeland from a dark, shadowy force. We did a fantasy war drama with an all-queer cast, and it's, and it's the tightest and probably most emotional story we've told. We were all just buzzing with excitement when we finished because of how much we loved the story and characters. You're in for a real treat when it releases. And if you need beautifully produced actual play content to keep you busy until then, then you might be interested in Realms of Peril and Glory, a new AP podcast from the creators of the audio drama The Orphans. Realms of Peril and Glory will be featuring full arcs in different systems and guests from podcasts like the Magnus Archives and Wooden Overcoats. I got to hear a pre-release copy of their first episode, and it sounded amazing. (laughs) The first three episodes are out now. Uh, You can find it where you get your podcasts. Thanks again for joining us in the Brindlewood Bay finale. The end of the mystery is here, and there are still more reveals to come. So, enjoy! And I'll talk to you next time. Bye. So I think the location for our final mystery reveal uh, is going to be uh, at the only location that we've introduced that we haven't actually visited yet. And that will be the Brindlewood Air Bay and Bay. It is later that afternoon. I think after your time at the park, you you break for a, a brief lunch together. Uh, do you have a favorite place in town that you go to for such things? Danny's. Long John Silver's. Brindlewood Bistro. Ooh, I like Brindlewood Bistro best. I also like Brindlewood Bistro. Well, the Brindlewood Bistro is ran by Long John. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's too late. Uh... I think Diana has a long history with Long John of the Brindlewood Bistro. And as such, uh, he gives your table a bit of deference. Uh, You certainly have the best wait staff in the building. But uh, you all have your tea and sandwiches uh, or whatever your... What's your favorite item from the Brindlewood Bistro? We'll warm ourselves up into this. What do you... What's your favorite thing they got on the menu? You're at a coast... You know, a coastal bistro. Uh, Excellent. No. Seafood medley. Oh, yeah. Your lunch seafood medley, is it like an apasta? Is it... Or is it just straight? Is it just like... I'm thinking like a a chowder. Oh, yeah. Good. Nice. A nice warming chowder from the cold uh, ocean breeze. How about you, Diana? I'm picturing some type of calzone. Some kind of calzone. Well, sticking with our seafood theme... uh, is it a some kind Ew. of seafood calzone? <laughs> Ew. 
Clam calzone has a ring to it. it or squid. Ooh. Squid. Calamari calzone. Calamari calzone. Mm. Special of the house. Uh, Marion, how about you? Steak tartare. <laughs> you Ma- don't get to answer for me. Marion is a cozy bitch. <laughs> Canadian shrimp. <laughs> Neither of you get to answer for me. Avocado toast. <laughs> Lobster smaller than shrimp. Wait, quick question. Sorry, this is an aside, but are Canadian shrimp just like, I'm thinking like Canadian bacon, right? So is it just like thinly sliced shrimp? I was just thinking uh, crawfish. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. That's that's Louisiana shrimp right there. But it's it's funny because it's not bacon, it's ham. That's why it's Canadian bacon. And so. Oh, it's bacon. <laughs> bacon for more. It's ba- bacon of the sea brand tuna. That's right. Yeah. And tuna of the dirt brand chicken. Mm-hmm. Make sure to tune in on Thursday when we come back for the conclusion <laughs> of Brindlewood Bay. <laughs> Marion, please save us. How about uh, like a cronut? Ooh, cronut. <laughs> oh, cronuts. Cronuts are good. What flavor cronut? Uh, strawberries and cream. Mm. Marion goes for dessert for lunch. Yeah. She has a, a Bloody Mary on the side. <laughs> Her name is Marion Berry. Of course she goes for dessert. That's reasonable. Oh, and a saucer of, I want to say milk, but milk cream is actually really bad for cats. So. Heavy whipping cream. Steak tartare. <laughs> steak, steak tartare for, for Gochi. Because <laughs> he's a fancy bit, truly. There's a reason we share a very important bond. Right. And that bond is over tartar. It's the bond of tartar. <laughs> the bond of tartar. Uh, anyway, after your stomachs are sated and Marion has uh, whet her appetite for a Bloody Mary early in the day. It's the uh, afternoon. It's the early afternoon. Bloody Marys are traditionally a brunch thing. I suppose that's true. All right. Uh, just a, a mild amount of day drinking then. Uh, just, just the one. Um, after your luncheon... The three of you head across town. Uh, actually, I say across town. I imagine that the Brindlewood Bistro. Bistro. There you go. Brindlewood Bistro. The Bistro. Uh, the Bistro. The Bistro. The Bistro. <laughs> the Bistro. <laughs> and how um, did I ever get with a guy with a voice like that? <laughs> I'm really looking forward to the egg hunt, this Bistro. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> well, uh, the three of you cross the boardwalk uh, there in the downtown near the bay uh, and go to the beautiful, scenic Brindlewood Air Bay and Bay. It has beautiful gilt wooden double doors with that like nice frosted and uh, patterned glass that the light is shining through. Uh, so the question I have for the three of you upon entering the Brindlewood Air Bay and Bay uh, is, how does the lobby simultaneously convey sophisticated elegance and pay-by-the-hour rates? They've got a fainting couch, but it's missing a leg. Okay. <laughs> what else? Lush of velvet curtains over every window. They have a larger-than-life statue of Reverend Arthur J. Brindlewood, but he's missing his left arm, which 
appears to have been pointed down somewhere towards his hip. Boogie Wonderland. <laughs> also, that's playing in the lobby. Oh, excellent. As if he would have been resting his hand on his hip with some other stoic pose with his right hand up. What I'm understanding the, is that the lobby looks like the lobby of the Four Seasons, but do a little dance, make a little love, get down tonight is playing. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I'll, I'll add to that layer. Uh, it has beautiful linoleum floors from the time when linoleum was more expensive than marble. Yep. It's dated, but aesthetic. You know what I mean? So you head onto the Brindlewood Air Bay and Bay. Uh, when you enter, you hear the little bling-bling from the door. And behind the counter, uh, which is was once uh, one of those beautiful old bar tops, I imagine they have a little sign next to it that explains that this was actually a speakeasy back in the day and that this bar top was part of a hidden bar that they had. Uh, and it used to serve all kinds of crazy clientele and it has like, you know, all those sorts of little stories that they tell in uh, tourist towns like these. And uh, behind this old wooden bar top uh, is the the main desk. Uh, There's a little silver bell on it. There's not currently anyone standing there, but there is a row of room keys uh, all on tacks on the wall behind the desk, behind the counter. What do you all do? So we know that Bell Raymond is staying here? Well, you know that... uh, We know that Rob... Kestrel supposedly stayed here at one point because of the uh, invoice. Yes. And so uh, how I'm how I'm setting up the scene for you all is that you are ostensibly here to find the last known location of Rob Kestrel. Okay. Um. Well, as we go back, Diana has a rich history with the Brindlewood Air Bay and Bay. Right. And is no longer permitted on the property. That's right. Uh, Diana, you luckily notice that there's currently uh, no one behind the desk. Obviously, under normal circumstances, uh, your group might be so inclined as to tap that bell, wait for somebody to come out, and receive some assistance with your queries. But I think everyone here would be familiar with the fact, especially given that earlier in your investigation, Diana mentioned it offhand, that she's not exactly allowed here anymore. Um, so it does put a damper on what some of your opportunities might be to find your way to Rob's room. And there's some visual tension in her shoulders. Did the invoice have the room number on it? So if uh, if you remember correctly, uh, the invoice was a little bit damaged, and it was only through some uh, help uh, that you managed to suss out that it was even related to the Brindlewood Air Bay and Bay. So I would say that you probably couldn't pick out the exact you know, bit of information you're looking for from there. However, um, I do think that the information you're seeking is probably somewhere around this desk. I imagine they have a registry of some of some kind. Any cameras? Uh, I mean, I imagine that they have uh, one, but it looks to be about as old as camera technology. Okay. <laughs> it's a little one, very, very boxy in the top right corner. And it sort of stutters like it's supposed to rotate and pan around the room, but that motor fizzled out long ago. Okay. Uh, I think we should try to look in the registry book. 
Uh, so I think uh, in this case, it's as simple as you grab the registry and turn it around. It's a big binder that was sitting out pretty obviously on top of this. It's obviously, uh, it is regularly used by the staff here in order to check people in, check people out, etc. Uh, and so you flip back a couple pages and your eyes immediately run across, you know, Rob Kestrel, uh, his entry in this book. Uh, so you see his name in the book and uh, you can see that Rob Kestrel is in room number nine. Uh, and there are, I think there's a few keys for every room. And there's two of those keys behind the counter. They're within reach if you lean over it. And I think as you go to grab it and pull it off, you hear the sounds of somebody in the back room that is probably coming forwards fairly soon. You have run out of time to dawdle. It's it's time to head out and check it out if that's what you're going to do. All right. I'm going to gonna quickly pocket that key and uh, motion for us to to get going to the scram yeah especially since whoever it is may not like that diana is here all right let's get a move on oh absolutely we need to get uh, going but i was enjoying the view of the lobby <laughs> uh i think coach you say that and the camera pans to show the light filtering in from you know the the windows we said were covered with those lush drapes but we described the, uh, the the windows on the doors as being sort of this frosted, sort of stained glass. And that light filtering in from the bay, and then the... There are some yellowed chandeliers. They're, like, supposed to be... They're supposed to look like they have crystals, but they were obviously plastic, and that plastic has yellowed over time. Mm. So it casts that light across the room. And, of course, there's this noble statue near the middle, uh, which I think it missing the, the lower part of the arm just serves to give it even more presence and gravitas and so upon casting one last glance back coach you diana and marion the three of you hustle down the hallway to find room number nine the rooms increase in number as you run down the hallway you know one two three on opposite sides that do be how numbers work and finally uh at the corner at the end of the hallway uh where it turns to go to additional rooms the corner room, which has uh, a lovely view of the bay, you would suspect, has the room number nine on it. Uh, you test the key in the lock, and it clicks, and the door swings slowly open. Diana, will you stop doing that, please? <laughs> uh, what does Diana say in response to that? Because I'm keeping that. <laughs> We're trying to be stealthy right now. <clears throat> well, I... <laughs> Are you drowning? What happened? (laughs) Well, it felt like the moment could use a little bit more climatic theme. I didn't want this moment to go flat. The only thing that'll be going flat is you if you don't quit that racket. 
Did somebody sit on a whoopee cushion? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going for. <laughs> the door does finally swing open uh, after <laughs> after Diana gives it its sound its own sound effect <laughs> and I guess saves me the time later of putting one in. <laughs> Uh, the door opens to a studio room uh, there's a simple queen bed with mirrors above on the ceiling you know classy oh my god behind the bed are two huge windows overlooking the bay one is swung open letting in the sounds of the sea and a soft breeze the room is barren save for a petite woman with dark hair and deep bags under her eyes which are magnified by her black oversized horn-rimmed glasses she sits on the edge of the queen bed facing you, and her deep, black, feathered robes pool around her. She greets you with an uncannily wide, knowing smile, and a round silver tray of freshly baked muffins. Mm-mm. <laughs> uh-uh. No. Fancy a bite? I imagine all your meddling has worked up quite an appetite. Though the bags make her seem tired, uh, her eyes sparkle with intelligence. I'm Miss Belle Raymond, but I suppose you already knew that. And you do recognize her from the pictures that you saw in her, in her classroom. Uh, she looks a lot more confident than she did in any of those photos, but it's definitely her in front of you, although her outfit, of course, is rather different than you're familiar with. Does she look pissed? She doesn't sound pissed. Well, as I described, she greets you with an uncannily wide, knowing smile. So no, she doesn't seem particularly pissed. Okay. Did she hear my previous antics? Uh, <laughs> she absolutely heard those from sitting on the bed of this room, yes. I, I was thinking it was hilarious that the first thing she heard from us was <laughs> that sound and you going, Diana. <laughs> Well, it's lovely to meet you. Coach Coach stares at the muffins longingly, but remembered that she just ate a big bowl of chowder and is all like, nah. Well, uh, Miss Raymond, she actually seeing you looking at them with at least a little glint of that desire in your eyes, Coach. She holds out the tray, uh, extending it all the way towards the three of you. You're you're welcome to a bite if you'd like. They're there to die for. Did you make them yourself? Well, I'm not much of one for baking, but uh, a good, good friend of mine made them, and he is known as the best in Brindlewood Bay. Would you care for one? Uh, and you can smell uh, that these muffins... The, the scent wafting over to you, as soon as she lifted them up and, and got them closer to your, your waiting noses, the smell of them has overpowered even that of the sea breeze, and it is divine. Uh, Diana, having previously eaten a muffin of similar quality very recently, I think you recognize it as being of the same make and model as that which you ran across on the bleachers uh, the day before. And it does smell incredible, and I think especially in you, Diana, it stirs something deep and primal about those muffins. 
Are we talking like a four-door sedan, two-door coupe, pickup truck? It's a truck? tank. It's a fucking tank. A tank? I'm going to go ahead and tell you I am straight up terrified to eat one of these muffins. Yeah, Coach is absolutely not eating one of the muffins. <laughs> they smell really good. Like, uh-huh. They smell really fucking good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I feel like there's an unspoken rule that you don't take food from a woman that you might be accusing of murder. Especially I when it suppose. Especially when it appears that she was waiting for you. <laughs> Any woman that's waiting for me inside of a hotel room that was expecting me with a tray of muffins, I'm not eating that muffin. And that's why you're single. Well, pardon me, Miss Raymond, for being so forward here, but might those happen to be banana nut muffins? Oh, well, I'm surprised that you could tell that from all the way over there. Uh, but yes, they are. They are some of the best, uh, probably the best in town. Well, this might be the first appointment I've actually ever enjoyed at the Brindlewood Air Bay and Bay. Now, Coach, make sure to stay very far away from me. We do know that you have that severe nut allergy. <laughs> Just a blatant lie. (laughs) (laughs) Is it? Is it? Is it? Is it? Well, as we all know, less for you, more for me. Yes, and uh, I actually just had a rather sugary cronut. My doctor has been telling me to cut down on the sugar. History of diabetes in my family and, and the like. I'm just full up from the chatter from lunch still. But thank you very much. I appreciate the offer. In typical Brindlewood Air Bay and Bay fashion, she has one muffin in each hand. (laughs) Uh, You've taken two of the muffins off of the tray, and uh, Belle does seem genuinely pleased that someone has taken her up on the offer of muffins. After all, she did go through all the hassle of bringing them here. Uh, so Miss Raymond sets down the tray of muffins next to her uh, after she at least had one taker from your group. Uh, and she gestures there's a, a small couch there that sits uh, directly across from the bed. Is it also missing a leg? Uh, I don't think it's missing any of its legs. Uh, however, it is made out of wicker and a pale blue upholstery. It's definitely going for a beachy aesthetic with this room. Uh, and... It will probably support the three of you, but it's not going to be super comfortable. It's going to have some give. Uh, so, uh, do the three of you have a seat? Yeah. Sure. I think your reputations precede you. I, I don't know if we need to go through the introductory rigmarole or any of that. But now that I have you all seated here, I wanted to congratulate you on I... I suppose, making it this far? I'm assuming since you're... And she waggles her fingers in front of her in a patronizing manner. I imagine that your little investigations have turned up a few things. I was going to offer to answer a few of your questions. I'll give one to each of you. How about that? Do tell me who this good, good friend of yours is, because this is good. 
Well, and she, she like, blushes a little bashfully. Well, since you like the muffins so much, I'll, maybe I'll answer that one for you for free. Uh, that is made by our city's very own... Uh, Coroner. <laughs> Coroner. I mean, I didn't have a job for this person. All right, he's the coroner now. <laughs> By our lovely city's very own coroner, Clint Orville. You all know Clint. He, uh, he bakes muffins every year for fundraisers for the schools. He, of course, uh, has won the last, well, four out of the last five Brindlewood Bay baking bonanzas. What happened to fifth year? Well... One of the judges didn't like his muffins as much. Hmm. Go on, we're well, we're I, all ears here, darling. It was a it was a competition. He lost, or at least didn't take first, which is the same as losing. Orville, isn't that would he? Redenbacher. Would he in any way be related to uh, Rob's ex-wife? I suppose now. Well, now we both know that that divorce paperwork was served but never signed. Mm. Hadn't yet been litigated, so to speak. Uh, but I tend to think that if one party wants out of a relationship, it really should be considered finished. Well, if you must know, Clint is Luna's brother. Mm. But that has no bearing on this case. At least... Not as it was theorized to be. <laughs> but certainly in some alternate timeline, seeing as those are both suspects, they could be potential people for it to be. I'm just saying that there's lots of opportunities in this game, and you can tell all sorts of stories with it. Are you are you shilling for your own uh, Brindlewood Bay mystery here? I might be. <laughs> I'm definitely going to release this with the game. Well, that's very interesting, but it's, you're right, isn't why we're here. But these muffins certainly are to die for. We all uh, oh, jump. Up. made by the corner. <laughs> we all jump up uh, and like put one hand in the air, and it I freeze frames on us. <laughs> uh, so she she gestures again. So uh, time is ticking. We all have busy lives to attend to. I'll answer one of your questions from each of you as a courtesy. Where's Rachel? <laughs> Diana, who has now just finished her second banana nut, brushes the crumbs off of her lap towards Coach <clears throat> and leads in with the first question. Well, there would seem to be a trail of crumbs here, if you will. So, on our trail... Have you been following us all the way here? Just staying one step ahead the whole time? Her her smile widens a little bit. <laughs> I don't know what you mean by staying one step ahead. I I never had to be one step ahead. I've always known what was going on. Uh, and she chuckles a little bit. However, if you're asking how I knew that you all would be here today, well, that was just a simple matter of deduction. After all, I did see you in the school yesterday. Da -da -da -da. Was she the scary bird thing in the hallway? 
charging towards me. That didn't happen. Ah, yeah, that didn't happen. That was an alternate timeline. That never happened. But uh, I will remind you that uh, somebody did leave yeah. right before oh, yeah. you. Oh, yeah. Out the back door. I was aware of what you all had been looking into, and, well, I assumed that you would have to come to where he last lived at some point. It was just a matter of time. And uh, she gestures then, moving along the line from Diana to Coach, and says, Next question? Well, we've we've got most of the pieces put together, but uh, honestly, I'm still a bit puzzled. What what happened to Rob on that field? We know that you'd been doing your homework on him, if you will. Perhaps there's more to you in this story than you let on. Uh, and. And that's what we call getting two questions for the price of one, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Her smile uh, stays fixed on her face, uh, unchanging as she responds. And just know that if I don't like your answer, I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> uh, I think at that, she she chuckles. <laughs> well, don't think I can take you, huh? And she holds up her hands uh, in, a, in a gesture of plaintive innocence. Please, please, coach. <laughs> Let's not come to blows over this. The story about Rob is uh, admittedly quite sad, but it is fairly straightforward. After all, the three of you did find some of the clippings, some of the news that was about my room, some of the research that had been conducted. That wasn't research that I conducted about Rob. That's research that I conducted on Rob's behalf, after all. Uh, It was he who originally came to me about the... She smiles a little bit uh, wider. About the phoenix, of course. I know that for the school, we made the mascot out to be the Firebird, but we can dispense with... Firebird, Phoenix, pretty on the nose, don't you think? Speak for yourself! No! (laughs) Why don't you just go back to playing with your whoopee cushion? (laughs) I resemble that remark! When did we get so catty in this game? <laughs> uh, the phone call. <laughs> that's, that's fair. Diana unapologetically reaches for another muffin. <laughs> uh, do, do you want to get brainwashed? Because that's how you get brainwashed. Uh, Miss Raymond supplies you the third muffin as she answers the question. The phoenix is a bird of cycles, and while Rob relished the rise, the power, the luck, the glory, but as things began to turn, he couldn't even begin to weather the crash and the burn. He was too weak-minded, unfortunately, to accept the bird for what it was, and 
when he tried to reject what he had taken on so willingly at first, well, it didn't go well for him, did it? And as for my role to play in all that, I was merely an observer for our dearest mistress. And looking at your blank faces, she says, Well, obviously the one who granted his boon. The, the Angela Lansbury. <laughs> no, and she she starts to, her smile turns. Uh, n- no, 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 no. The, the dreaded one, the fasting maiden. She who moistens mortal springs with tears. Betty White? B. Arthur, it's gotta be B. Arthur. (laughs) The Queen of England. She laughs as the three of you stare on. (laughs) Oh, you you didn't even figure out as much as I assumed. I apologize. Well, (laughs) either way, I think I've more than answered your question. What about... Your last one, uh, Marion, dear, I don't believe you've asked yet. And Marion's watching her. Um, she doesn't like any of this, and she's been watching Diana pretty closely to make sure that she hasn't suffered any ill effects from those muffins. Um, she does not trust... Bell Raymond, even a little bit. And so she's gonna look at her for a minute and then ask, Why are you bothering to answer our questions anyway? Why are you talking to us at all? Her smile becomes more of a smirk and her eyes glisten. Why, <laughs> Marion dear, there are certain truths. There are certain bits and pieces of knowledge that once you have them, they don't change anything for you, but they might give you a little bit of perspective to know that maybe, just maybe, in fact, certainly, you're in far over your heads. This is me out of courtesy, out of politeness, out of the generosity of my heart, inviting you all to be satisfied with this mystery. Step back and return to your happy, retired lives. Oh, and she looks over at Coach and Diana. She's trying to get us to fuck off, ladies. I see you've chosen beatdown. And her smile falls away for a moment, and with cold eyes she says to you, There is no pain that you could afflict upon me that would be substantial, coach. And she stands up from the Well, I don't know about you, but I'm turned on. (laughs) You cannot kill me in any way that matters. Uh, She stands up from the bed and grabs the lower hem of her black feathered robe and with a flourish with a spin she whips it around in front of her 
And in that motion, the cloak, the spinning black cloud of feathers, she is transformed from this woman sitting before you uh, Mm -hmm. into a large bird. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not humanoid in any way. Patrick, (laughs) be relieved. Uh, But there is now uh, in the air, beating its heavy wings in front of you, uh, a vulture which crows mightily and then flies out the window that was cracked there in the room. And she leaves you there with a tray of mostly eaten muffins and the soft sea breeze. Everybody else saw that, right? I'm thinking that seafood medley chowder had some bad clams in it. (laughs) I've forgotten my glasses. Can someone help me find the muffin I just dropped? I'm so bad at you. (laughs) Oh, Diana, you're useless. Yeah, but she's our uselessness. I still haven't found my muffin. You've had three of them, dear. There's a whole plate on the table if you're still hungry. There was still a good bite left in that wrapper. Uh, Marion's gonna go over to the window and, like, look out, see if she can see the vulture in the air. You look out over a beautiful, bustling, bayside scene as boats and people and carts and cars make their way up and along the busiest part of town. Coach is at Jerry's gym again, pounding away at a bag, but she glances out the window every now and again. There's one nearby the bag that she punches, and uh, every now and again, she'll see a bird fly past the window, and every time that she catches a glimpse of a bird in the corner of her eye, her usual normal good solid punches waver a little bit out of fear of what she's seen. Diana's world is still down-spiraling from the revelations of the Firebird slash Phoenix slash Fire Phoenix and is still resolved to never be a Buccaneers fan. But part of her identity is still fragile and or completely in shambles in regards to the beloved Firebird no longer being part of Brindlewood Bay South Senior High. She does find comfort ending her days with a good training of Samantha Michelle Francis Lee Cunningham Dempsey the 22nd and getting cozy with some concluding phalange aerobics Michelle Francis Lee Cunningham Dempsey the 22nd come over here and check out the dexterity of my toes Marion is in uh, the local hobby shop 
they have uh, back catalogs of different patterns for dresses and and all sorts of uh, sewing projects. They also have quite a few for knitting and crochet projects. And so whenever Marion really needs a an idea uh, for or some inspiration, uh, she'll come here and and look through them. Uh, Goji really likes it because this hobby shop also has a history of having mice and so he gets to run around and hunt the local mice and then because she's helping them out with uh, getting rid of the mice the shopkeeps often uh, give her a little bit of a discount on the yarn and such that she buys Uh, so she's looking through a catalog um, of crochet patterns probably and there's one uh there's there's one that's like a nice uh a, a nice sweater um and then, and there's one that's uh a pair of gloves that are like fingerless gloves and then the next pattern that she sees is for a wall hanging and crocheted in the middle of it with some nice vines around it uh, is a pomegranate and she stares at that for a little bit thinking about everything that Belle Raymond said about this mistress and her boons and then she looks around to make sure none of the other patrons or staff are looking at her and when they're not she uh, she tears that page out of the book and she folds it up and she puts it in her purse. Goji, why don't we see if the mavens want to stop by later? I think our town might have a rat problem as well. Welcome to Realms of Peril and Glory, an all-new actual play podcast. There are guided tours once a week. Come on, Darbreden. Come at you, you filthy timepiece. <laughs> RPG is home to hilarious stories. The thing that kicks off a really good tale is... Uh... When they take their tops off. Sorry? When you're reading, like... Don't worry, don't worry. And thrilling adventures. There's bad guys, there's an ogre. Probably best if you stay here. Sorry, I'll be back soon. Why am I tied up? That was your sibling, not me. Bye. Each season is an all-new actual play story told collaboratively at the table. Featuring guest players from the Magnus Archives. I remember being in the water, and that was awful. And now I'm not in the water, and that's much better. Wooden overcoats. I am a snowman. I have one job and that is to stand in place. I was doing that very well. Yes, and she might come back nine times more powerful with lots of food and kippers. We fix space junk. On the surface, you might look different, but you're very, very similar inside. And I can vouch for that. And more. What I am about to tell you stays in this room. Got it? Don't happen nowhere. There's like secret plans about 
meat and smoothies. Ducks? Did you say ducks? Did you say ducks? Sorry, did you say duck? You can find Realms of Peril and Glory wherever you listen to podcasts. We're going to have a good laugh. Then we're going to possibly cry. And then we'll, we'll grab dinner.